Hey, are you here? Well, look, if you're listening to the Paul Leslie Hour, let me just state for the record that although our show is lighthearted, we don't take you lightly being here. Not at all. Hey, we've got an interview from the archives. That means way back, way back. This was your host, Paul Edward Leslie's very first interview with Bob Vernon. Now, Bob Vernon was a legend in the world of Louisiana music. In Louisiana, Bob was what they call a Hall of Famer. He was born in 1947 in Louisiana and left us in 2020. It's believed Bob passed away in California. Bob Burnham began his journey into music with the drums. He produced and engineered the recordings of artists like Elvis Presley, Fats Domino, Jerry Lee Lewis, James Brown, Hank Williams Jr., Sam and Dave, Ray Charles, Paul Schaefer, and the Neville Brothers. Vernon helped found the Louisiana Music Association and also served as manager of the legendary Fats Domino from 1983 to 1990. A brilliant speaker with the gift of storytelling, Bob Vernon joined Paul for an interview. It was the beginning of a friendship that continued until his passing. If you enjoy this interview, you can also find the Mardi Gras-themed interview Bob did on this show. We respectfully ask that you consider subscribing to Paul Leslie's YouTube channel. And if you get a moment, hit the like button and leave a comment down below. We have lots more content coming your way. And you help us with your contributions. And we thank you. Hey, let's hear the tape. Bob Vernon, you are missed, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, it is with great honor that we welcome a very monumental figure in Louisiana music, producer, manager, creator, the man behind a wonderful resource, the Louisiana Digital Network, the most advanced educational initiative in history. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bob Vernon, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Well, I appreciate it. Let's start kind of from the beginning. Where were you born? Alexandria, Louisiana is where I was born, 1947. Growing up, what kind of music did you listen to? Whatever my mama had on the radio. She had all of the stuff from like the early 50s, I guess you'd say. She heard me play with my rattles, baby rattles and stuff, keeping time with the beats. So she gave me a drum lesson for my sixth birthday. <laughs> it was early rock and roll. You know, it would have been like 1951, 52, 53. Can you remember any musicians in, in particular that you really liked? Oh, man, I was crazy about Ray Charles in the mid-50s when I first heard his stuff. Otis Redding came along. Uh, I was crazy about Bill Haley. I liked the song the Louisiana guy wrote, See You Later, Alligator, Bobby Charles song. That was a great song. I always loved Fast Domino. but have never thought I would have uh, known him as well as I did when I grew older, you know. So growing up, did you know that music was going to be a part of your life in a, in a professional way? It's all I've ever done. After that first drum lesson, it took me, a, I guess, a year or two to learn a drum set. And I had a little tiny drum set my parents gave me. And I started playing professionally in clubs when I was nine years old. That's all I've ever done. What was the first time you played at a gig? 
I got four dollars <laughs> cash. My father had to go down to the sheriff's department, I think it was, and sign some kind of deal that since I was a minor, he would be present with me, and I was only going to play, you know, certain band for a certain period of time. I went in, played my little songs. I think I played like fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, or something. I made four dollars. <laughs> What about the producing side? You've produced and engineered so many great artists like Elvis Presley, Paul Schaefer, Jerry Lee Lewis, the Neville Brothers. How did you get into that side of music? A guy named Floyd Swalla in Ville Platte, Louisiana, showed me what a recording studio was somewhere around, I don't know, 1960, 61, something like that. And we cut some songs, and I fell in love with recording. I went to an engineering school. After I got out of the Navy and recording engineering in Los Angeles, had a great teacher and uh, started working around studios. I built, I don't know, five or six of them in Louisiana, uh, all over the state, actually. And it's just something I've always done. And then I discovered television. (laughs) What is it about recording that you like? It's the entire creative process to me. I mean, that's the whole thing. Uh, It all starts with the song. Great song is the key. I heard a great one on your radio station a while ago. I tuned in and you were playing uh, uh, Somewhere Over China, I think it was. When, uh, that was a Buffett tune, huh? Yeah. Uh, that's that's one of his best writings, I always thought. is great lyrics. Oh, yeah? You're a Buffett fan? Oh, yeah. I've known him a long time. People always think of the Key West side, but very influenced by Louisiana. Yeah, he uh, he spent a lot of time there growing up. I think, what, he was born at Mobile or somewhere like that, wasn't he? And he spent a lot of time in New Orleans. In fact, uh, the place he has there now was uh, formerly Storyville Jazz Hall. That's where we uh, videotaped Fast Domino and Friends back in the mid-'80s. Wow, very fascinating. And Margaritaville is now uh, it's the old Storyville Jazz Hall. They've changed it around, you know, but uh, that's where we had Fast Domino and Jerry Lee Lewis, Ray Charles, Paul Safer, all those guys, Ron Wood. That was a heck of a night. <laughs> what artist have you worked with that you were most proud of? Finding Elvis Presley's first recordings on the Louisiana Hayride was something that I'll never be able to forget. I mean, just a tape laying in a drawer. We played it. We said, oh, my goodness, listen to that. The stuff I did with Fats, I'll never forget. That was really a highlight in my life. Different recordings I've done with the meters. The Honey Dripper song that the Neville Brothers did, they did their original demo in my uh, studio in New Orleans. I think it cost them a hundred bucks. Pretty much nailed down their deal with uh, A&M Records. It lost them. It was a long time ago, back in the late seventies, right after they formed. Great guys. Why do you believe so much great music has come out of Louisiana? Well, you look at it a couple of ways, but I like to look at it just historically. Sir Barry Oncelet at the University of Louisiana calls it creolization. He calls it that melting pot of the different cultures all blending together in the influences. Of course, the Cajuns from Nova Scotia and the Grand Descent. They brought a lot of these songs. They uh, just had lyrics and they clapped their hands and sang along, you know, didn't really have any musical instruments, but they had uh, the songs. They call uh, was it chansons, the French word, I believe. And then later there's plays, the Bolivians, you know, all the African influences. Something just happened. It all molded together. All of the blues that came out of that area, all of the rock and roll, the rhythm and blues, the jazz. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the brass band. It just, it happened. It just happened. Huyolization. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. There's a, a video of that. There's a fantastic resource, the Louisiana Digital Network. I was hoping you could tell us about that. It's a wonderful resource. 
Well, thank you. Um, it's new. It's uh, been test marketed back in the early part of the year. We had a phenomenal hit rate and people seemed to like the content. And so we've approached the universities in Louisiana and becoming an educational initiative. And for the first time in, I guess, the history of broadcast, there would be a major global network that would be solely operated by young, creative students who were interns. They would be getting full hands-on training, both in digital outreach and also in digital production. They'd be learning everything from how to properly roll up a microphone wire to uh, planning and shooting a television program or a film, and they would actually have hands-on. And the schools would receive the income from it. And so it's kind of become a, I guess you call it an advanced uh, educational initiative. A lot of folks seem to like it, and that's what we've put into play, and that's what we're uh, in the process of uh, fine-tuning right now. A lot of the culture and history of the great state there. Louisiana is the source of America's music, to be honest with you. You aren't lying. <laughs> From your perspective, having worked on all these projects, who in Louisiana music, historically, do you believe is the greatest of all? There's two that come to mind immediately. I would be sadly remiss if I didn't say Louis Armstrong. He's one of the most important men ever bored in musical history. Second one is pretty easy, but I'll tell you a cute, quick story about it. I had the pleasure of being in a room backstage at the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Awards, and uh, I looked around, and it was B.B. King and Dave Bartholomew standing there, and I was the only other person in the room. And B.B. Uh, King turned to Dave Bartholomew, and he said, you know, Dave, he said, I've always thought Fast Domino as being Louis Armstrong II. I've never forgotten that. And uh, I saw B.B. the next day, and I asked him if I could quote him on that, and he said, sure. So the answer to your question is Louis Armstrong and Fast Domino. They were real. They were creative. They changed music. They changed the world. I have to say, out of all the artists that I like listening to, the one that I come back to again and again, just because he always sounds like he's having so much fun, and the songs are great, is Fats Domino. I love mm -hmm. Fats Domino. And you've had a, a relationship with him as his manager. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that. Oh, boy. <laughs> what a bunch of flashbacks that brings. He, it was wonderful. He's very difficult to deal with sometimes, but he's Fats Domino. It's nobody else is in the world. He's special. He's tough. He's a great performer. He's a great father. I was very sad to see his wife pass away recently. I know he'll be lonely. He's a good guy. Loved his family and his wife. Uh, what can you say about his music? One thing I I learned, and this might be of interest to you and your viewers and listeners, I've come to learn and understand that Fats and his music had just about as much to do with race relations in America as Martin Luther King and his movement. Because if you go back into the 40s, Late 40s, early 50s, when Fats had his first hit record, there was a strong, you know, segregation policy all throughout the South, and Fats and his band would tour around. And, of course, here were these uh, African-American guys getting out of a bus, and they come into a hotel, and they would say, we were ready for our room. They had their room reservations, and they would say, we're sorry, you know, no black people were allowed to stay. And the band leader would say something like, well, we're the Fats Domino band. <laughs> and the hotel would say, oh, well, yeah, come right this way. Your suites are ready. <laughs> if you go back and look at history, his music bridged the gap before anybody. What is it about Fats Domino and his music that you think people love so much? It's the simplicity. 
It's the fact that you can sing along with a fast domino to you after you hear it one time. The fact that the cute little things that he says reflect in your memory. They touch you. I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. I mean, how many people have heard that line? 90% of the people in the world, you know. He's a remarkable guy, you know. He's tough. He's tough. He'll drive you to drink. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to my business partner about Pat Domino's songs. Like you said, they're simple. And I was thinking about how so many of his songs are two minutes or less. I thought about that for a second, and I thought, you know what? That's all that he needs. He can say more in two minutes than most musicians today could say in four. <laughs> you got to take it even a step further beyond fast. you got to go back and look at Dave Bartholomew, because that's the magic. That was the mental process. That was the intelligence that brought Fat Domino into the studio, recorded him, and guided him through his career. People have asked me who the real king of rock and roll is. And I'll tell him it's Dave Bartholomew. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit more about Mr. Bartholomew. Boy, he's a wonderful guy. He's in every Hall of Fame you could think of. Uh, as far as I know, he's still active. He still looks great. He will always play great. Last I heard a year or so ago, he had a 35-piece orchestra. He is a tremendous musician, tremendous arranger, very nice gentleman just a wonderful guy and if you talk to him for five minutes you can easily see why he is the legend that he is yeah he's a very special person uh he's treasured believe me he's treasured just like elvis is treasured just like that's treasured right now they was all of you very special person in the world of music jumping to another topic you're working on a project called the sound doctor live in louisiana (laughs) i was hoping you could tell us about that well, the Sound Doctor is what I called my studios and what I call bands and my studio bands all through the years. And everybody in Louisiana knows me as the Sound Doctor. Some of them still call me Doc, you know, that have worked with me a long time. The Sound Doctor was actually an artist. John Hammond, the same guy who signed Springsteen and Aretha and people like that to Columbia, signed me to one of his labels in early 81 and I had releases out. And so I've just kind of kept it up through the years. But I've accumulated some interesting recordings that the Sound Doctor band, uh, the studio band, has has done, and very interesting musicians uh, like Fast Domino on piano, uh, Lee Allen on sax, uh, Ironing Board Sam singing and playing, uh, the blues legend Jay Munkadee, some of the Neville's on them, cuts that have some of the meters on them, cuts that were good cuts, they were unreleased, a lot of them were originals that we wrote together, a lot of them were things that I wrote just a mixture, a hodgepodge of different Louisiana artists. So I thought that it would be a good thing to release it because a lot of people have asked about a lot of those cuts through the years. So I'm going to go ahead and put it out, see what happens, you know, make it available to download. And uh, it'll be some real interesting things. The the Fats Domino and Lee Allen cut, which I still have to master, is an incredible cut. Fats played piano and Lee played saxophone on a song that I actually wrote for Fats. They did it in one take. It was just like, press the button, play. Thank you very much, gentlemen, and walk away, you know. (laughs) Magic, you know. I was hoping you could tell us about uh, some of the organizational things. Like, you founded the Louisiana Music Association and also the Cajun Music Hall of Fame. The Music Association was back in the middle uh, 76, uh, 77 period, and it uh, was a a group of people who were all professionals and who got together and uh, wanted to better the music and entertainment community in Louisiana. 
and subsequently that led to the formation of the actual Louisiana Music Commission in 1979 in the state legislature. And it was the first standalone music commission, you know, separate from film or entertainment in the United States. It did a pretty amazing job through the years. Last year, we created the Cajun Zydeco Music Hall of Fame. When the Grammys created a special category, you know, we realized what a wonderful way to preserve and restore the heritage of all of the music down there. Uh, the horrible hurricanes have hurt a lot, you know. Some of that stuff is in danger of disappearing if it's not nurtured and if it's not preserved. Cajun music is right on the brink of extinction. Uh, Zydeco is getting bigger every day. New Orleans rhythm and blues, rock and roll, things like that. They've suffered greatly since those storms, you know. But hopefully it'll all be rejuvenated, you know. You've had a lot of things that you can look back at in your life and be especially proud of working with all these great artists. You were inducted into the Louisiana Hall of Fame. When you look back at all this stuff, what are you especially proud of? Yeah, I got to see my daughter graduate from high school. <laughs> that was just a little personal thing I thought of. That was a thrill. And I got to hold my grandson the first time. I guess that's the proudest moments of my life. But if you're talking about it, music, it's your hard to top playing drums with Fats Domino in front of 100,000 people. That's a real charge, man. Wow. Where was that? Jazz Fest, New Orleans Jazz Fest, 1989. I think that was like the, what, 30th year, 40th year, something like that. It's an anniversary year. I got to play a couple of tunes with him. You know, I, I worked with him for several years before he knew I was a drummer. When he found out I was a drummer, all of a sudden he made me play drums. <laughs> Very interesting. When someone listens to something that you produce or they view one of your videos, what is it that you hope that the listener or the viewer gets out of that experience? The real essence of the Louisiana music, the heritage, the culture, I've put a lot of time into that genre. I worked 32 years to finish one program called Crawfish Zumbo, The Real History of Louisiana Music, and we actually trace it back from the years 1600 all the way to modern times. We had a lot of the academic input, like uh, Professor Oxalet that I mentioned earlier, Professor Rayburn from Tulane, and Jason Berry, uh, one of the great music writers from New Orleans, Ben Sandmel, another great music writer, Robert Trudeau, a journalist. We document, you know, the, the entire history, so I, I hope that what people get is the entertainment and the joy of knowing the, the real culture. And above all, I hope they love the music. You know, that's the most important thing is loving the music. Absolutely. For all of our listeners out there, when one of them finds themselves in the French Quarter, what would you suggest as a couple of hot spots to hear some great music? I would go down around Margaritaville. I'd go back to the rear of the French Quarter, down along Cafe Brazil, and in those areas they call that Falford Marini. There's a couple of places on Bourbon Street that have some, you know, decent musicians. But if you really want to hear some good music, you know, you'll want to visit the Tipitina's, the standard locations. But above all, you need to get out of the French Quarter. No offense, New Orleans. I love the Quarter. But if you go uptown, what they call uptown, the River Bend, you go to the Maple Leaf Bar, or you go to the original Tipitina's up on Napoleon. There's a few other spots here and around up there. The Rock and Bowl. Uh, which is a classic place, and listen to the real New Orleans influence. There's a place called Funky Butt that uh, is really cool. It's right across the street from Armstrong Park. It's it's right in the quarter. I think uh, Big Sam, the famous trombone player, owns that place. That's a great little club. 
great little club. But uh, it's just so many places, you know, around uh, New Orleans. And uh, don't forget Lafayette. I mean, boy, you talk about some music. It's everywhere around South Louisiana. Very interesting. You've given us some good leads. I have two final questions. One question, and I'm excited to hear your answer for this. What is your all-time favorite meal? We all know Louisiana has some of the best oh, foods golly. in the world. Boy, oh boy. Listen, you're talking to a guy that used to weigh 315 pounds, man. But I'm down, down to 200. I've lost over 100 pounds. Uh, good. By stopping eating Louisiana food, but I love, <laughs> I love with all my heart. Um, it's hard for me to go to Louisiana without stopping at Don in downtown Lafayette and getting the uh, roasted quail. That's one of the greatest dishes in Louisiana. The best Cajun food that I've ever had was at a place called uh, Frejans and another place called Pat in Henderson. Frejans is just north of Lafayette. Incredible food. Pats and Henderson. And of course, in New Orleans, it's pretty hard to find a bad meal. You know, uh, any of the Brennan restaurants are great. There's a place uptown by the Maple Leaf called Giacomo's. You go to New Orleans and you don't eat at Giacomo's, you didn't really enjoy New Orleans food. <laughs> it's that incredible. In fact, you can eat in a pickup truck out in front of the front of the front door. They'll set you up a table and you can just sit in the back of the pickup truck and have your dinner. I look forward to all of this. My final question, this broadcast is going out all over the world, so I was wondering what you, uh, Vernon, would like to say to the world, to all those people that are listening in. Go to Louisiana. Go to Louisiana and hear some great music. You'll see a lot of things. It's a very important culture. It was really hurt bad by the storms, and we're trying to do our best to not only preserve it, but to restore it and make it more popular than ever. And uh, we hope that everybody around the world tunes uh, into Louisiana like they have for over 300 years. Thank you very, very much for this interview. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. And I, I, I love Tate Radio. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.